0: Well, if you'd open your Bible, please, to the book of Psalms and Psalm number 63. And uh, I want to show you this morning one of my very favorite Psalms. I have, oh, several very favorite Psalms. Of course, the most familiar, probably portion of Scripture in the entire Bible is the 23rd Psalm. Psalm 13 is indeed one of my very favorite. Psalm 121 is one of my very favorite, but Psalm 63 is one of my really favorite psalms. I love to just go back to it from time to time and read it. And it is one of my favorites because of where David was physically and spiritually when he wrote this psalm. Actually, it's a prayer that he prayed. And we have it for us in our Bible in Psalm 63. You say, well, where was he? Well, he was the king there in Jerusalem but his third son, Absalom, decided that he wanted to be the king. He felt like he'd been mistreated by his father. And so what he did, he began, the Bible tells us, to win over the hearts of the people over a period of four years. He would sit out on the road that people would travel to come to Jerusalem to hear their, have their cases heard. And he would say, look, let me kind of help you with the situation. I'm one of David's sons. And so he began to build up a following. And after four years, he had built up quite a following. And he had his own soldiers. And so his group, bottom line, ran his father and his loyal, some of his loyal soldiers out of Jerusalem, away from the sanctuary, out into the Dead Sea area, that's desert, barren, and everything that had been the center and the core of David's life, he had left behind. And his son Absalom is now in Jerusalem, and it's a very, very sad situation. And I think of that every time I read it. In fact, if you look in Psalm 63, the very first verses, he says, "Oh God, you're my God. Early I will seek you, my soul Thirst for you. He misses being in Jerusalem so very much. He said, My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory, because of your loving kindness is better than life. He said, You know. What he's saying is, as bad as things have become for me, the fact is God's continuing love is what sustains me. Let me just stop quick and say for a moment, in most of our lives from time to time, we find ourselves in desert situations, in difficult situations, hard situations, and it's God's continuing love that we have that helps us when we find ourselves in those times. Now, When we come to verse number four, something very personal for me speaks to my heart. And my prayer this morning is that it will become very personal for you and speak to your heart. It is found in seven words in verse number four, where David said, I will bless you while I live. I have that underlined I have it highlighted and this morning what I want to do this Sunday after Thanksgiving I'm going to do publicly what I would normally do only privately I want while I am alive I just want to share some things that I am very thankful for and I think that as I do my hope is I'll bless the Lord in doing so but On all but one of them, you'll be able to relate. Your situation won't be the same as mine, but what I'll share, there'll be a broader application that I think will help you. And my prayer today is that in a very few minutes when we come to the end and we begin to encourage people in what they can do in this room, even this morning, to bless the Lord while they live, while you live, I'm praying the Holy Spirit will work in a very special way. You know, as I look at those words of David, I will bless the Lord while I live. You know, I think of it this way. I will bless God while I live. I will thank God while I live. See, when we no longer live, we won't have the opportunity to take the initiative at least to thank God. Our life, our witness, our example may bless the Lord, but there are things we'll no longer be able to do. But this morning we're all alive. And I want to say, I want to bless the Lord. First of all, I bless God that I became a Christian at age seven. My mother took me to church every Sunday morning as long as I can remember back. And she tells me or told me that she took me to church before I could remember back. And I was so blessed. I had Sunday school teachers that taught me Bible stories I had one Sunday school teacher when I was a little boy named Mrs. Ruth Cooper that inspired me to memorize Bible verses. And even to this day, so many of the verses I quote and share with others, I learned them by being inspired by that Sunday school teacher. Last Sunday night at the end of our prayer and praise service, the service was actually dismissed, people beginning to leave. But I noticed that a family came over in this area right here and wanted to see John It was a husband, wife, one of our church families. And they had the little daughter. I didn't know her age exactly, but I learned she's eight years of age. And they said to John, he told me this later, uh, our daughter wants to talk to you about becoming a Christian. And they sat there on the front. And I was watching John, not knowing really what he was doing, but I could see he was explaining some things to her. And this last Sunday night, right here, that little eight-year-old girl prayed and asked Jesus to come into her heart to forgive her of her sins and make her a Christian. Family's out of town today for the holiday. Next Sunday, will be coming forward to make her decision public. I just say and move on this morning, I am thankful and blessed that my mother took me to church, and I'm thankful and blessed that I had Sunday school teachers teach me, and I just encourage today every mother and father, listen. The best thing you can do for your children is teach them about God and be faithful to get them to church and let that be a priority in your life. And I watched watched the dedication this morning and my mind couldn't help but go back to, I remember when Bethany was dedicated here as a little child. I remember when you were born and your mom and daddy brought you to church just like they did all your siblings. I have a feeling some of the others might not always have wanted to come. I don't know about that. But it didn't matter. It was not an. I doubt the Matthews family ever had a family meeting on Saturday night and said, do "Y'all think we're to go to church tomorrow?" That's just what they did. I grew up in that kind of home, and folks say, "Well, that's not the way to grow up." Folks, listen to me. I could talk all morning about this. We live in an evil world, doing everything it can to capture our boys and our girls and our students. And I just simply say to you, do everything you can to have those children in the house of God when you have opportunity to have them in the house of God. So I thank the Lord, I thank the Lord for that so very much. Well, that's seven years of age. Let's fast forward 20 years, 20 years. That means I'm going back now to when I was 27 years of age, and here's something that happened to me that I thank God for. Listen carefully. Remember this, I grew up in church but I was 27 years of age before I knew that God had a plan for my life. Hard to believe, really. I'd heard the sermons, I, verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, God has a plan. I know all those, I knew those verses. But Dottie and I had married. We were faithful in church. We taught a Sunday school class of young adults. She sang in the choir. We were faithful in our giving, our support, our attendance, our ties. But And time won't let me go into the story, but one Sunday night after church, uh, the assistant pastor of that church and his wife, about our age, just came to our home to visit with us just to kind of have fun together uh, after church. And it was in our home on that Sunday night where the first time I was ever confronted that I didn't have a clue that God had a plan for my life. I just thought I thought, well, I'm a Christian, I go to church and I do these things. But it never even dawned on me that God had something for me to do. And that was the beginning 27 years of age before I knew that God had a plan for my life. And then not long thereafter, it was obvious what that plan was. Now, let's fast forward, let's fast forward 50 years. That was at age 27. Now, 50 years is the here and now. I'm 77. Uh, I know I don't look 77 and all, but (laughs) I am 77. Okay. Now, in these 50 years, this is a part of the sermon that I think you'll kind of begin to buy in and understand a little bit, and we'll revisit those other two things in a moment. But a lot of things have transpired in those 50 years, and from those, I've learned some things. Uh, I'm still learning some things. You know, as you look back on life, you see things now that make sense that did not make sense back when they were happening. Does that make sense? You know, at the moment, you think, man, I don't get this. But then the moments go by and the years go by and then you look back and you think, gracious me. Well, let me share some things in these past 50 years that I want to bless the Lord publicly by simply sharing. One won't relate perhaps to any of you, but in a broad sense, it will relate to all of you. I want to first of all, and I've never shared this ever publicly, I want to thank God for the patience of the pulpit committees that dealt with me in all my years of ministry. I go back to my very first little church before seminary, And then I think about the pulpit committee of my first church after seminary, and uh, I'll be back to that in a moment. And then I think about First Baptist Church, Sulphur Springs, that pulpit committee. Interesting about that pulpit committee, that committee came to Tennessee, and we went out and visited their church, and they felt like God had led them to us, and we were supposed to come to that church, but I never could feel that, or I didn't feel that, and we, we, we didn't go. We said, we just don't think this is what God's told us to do. Almost five years later, that same identical public committee, except one person, came back to Tennessee and said, you know, we came over here five years ago, and we felt like God had led us to you, and maybe the time wasn't right, but we feel like God is saying to us, go back to Tennessee, you're to come be our pastor. And I look back on that and, you know, maybe that's the extreme of patience or whatever it was. And maybe it was not God's timing. Maybe it was God's timing. and I missed the whole deal, whatever. But be there as it may, then I did feel that. And we went to South Springs and were there nine years. Then this church, you know, this church, Dr. Bear Landrum was pastor before I was. And there was exactly two years between his last Sunday in my first Sunday, that's 104 Sundays, this church had no pastor. They had an interim pastor, had a very good interim pastor, Dr. Roy Fish. But during that two-year period of time, off and on, the pulpit committee of this church would come to Sulphur Springs, or we would come down here and we would meet for about a, off and on a year and a half, give or take. And... We just couldn't get a piece, this is what we were to do, and we were trying. But, you know, that pulpit committee was so patient with us, like we would just kind of end the whole deal, and then a few months would go by and the thing would kind of come back, and we'd end the deal, and they'd end it or whatever. (laughs) But, you know, the only member of that committee that's still in the church is Bobby Mills, who was chairman of that committee. Rick Carlisle has gone to be with the Lord. And he was such a blessing. He was so patient with us. He was a good detail guy. And uh, he understood some things we were struggling with. Bobby was so patient. And then Juanita Hamley was on that committee. She's gone to be the Lord. Nobody was ever more patient than Juanita. And then others on the committee have moved hither and yon. But the fact of the matter is that committee was very patient as we were earnestly, honestly trying to seek God's will. Now, you say, well, Pastor, that has nothing to do with us. Well, in a way, that wouldn't. But now, listen, you, you work with people that are patient with you. And it may be somebody in your family, it may be your workplace, it may be wherever. And I'm just simply saying this morning, I just publicly want to bless the Lord and thank God that in these past 50 years... There have been three different churches with three different pulpit committees, and they were trying to find God's will. We were trying to find God's will, and they were very patient with us. Now, let me tell you another thing I've learned that will relate to you. It may may seem weird to you, but I want to be this morning, I want to thank God for unanswered prayers that I've prayed you say, Pastor, you must, you know, I meant it to be this like that. Now, obviously, we all thank God for answered prayers. Could I have an amen to that? But have you ever thought about thanking God for your unanswered prayers? Like, you know, when you pray something and it does not happen, it can be devastating. It really can. You just I don't get it. I've asked God and I believe this is what God would want and it's just not happening. Well, if you'll just kind of, you know, if you will think, you will then thank. Did you know the word think and thank come from the same word? And if you will think, you'll do a lot of thanking. That's how that works. One reason we don't thank God more, we don't think about things as much as we should. But like unanswered prayers, let me share share one of the You'll be disappointed in me when I share this with you but I'm going to share it anyway. I mean what can you do other than just hang me shoot me or whatever. But back when we were a semester away from graduating from seminary like all seminary students you know you're going somewhere. And we we were just asking God now God we don't know where we're going. We had no geographical place in mind. We had no thought. We, we, had, we never had a desire to go back to Georgia or to go. We didn't know. We just said, God, now we, we, we came to seminary. and we, we're, we're one semester. We're in our last semester. And we just want you, God. We want to go wherever you want us to go. But then, and I talked to Donnie about this. But I asked God two things about where we would go. I said, God, number one, I prayed this many times. God, please don't send me to a first Baptist church. And number two, God, please don't send me to a church that needs to build buildings. And we graduated. And we went, our first church after seminary, first Baptist church, Lenore City, Tennessee. You say, what do you got against first Baptist churches? Well, I don't have anything against them, but here's the deal. I, I grew up in a little country church out in rural Georgia, and my perception was wrong. Have you ever had any wrong perceptions? Why are y'all sticking your tongue out at me? You've all done the same thing. I always had this perception that First Baptist churches were a bunch of prudes, just a bunch of whatevers. The truth is, except for a funeral or a wedding in my life, I never set foot in a First Baptist Church until January 1973, and I was pastor of the First Baptist Church in Illinois, Tennessee. Well, I was, I, was, I was wrong. My perception was wrong. Have you ever had wrong perceptions? And then I just was so earnest. In my three years at Travis Avenue as assistant pastor, I had watched that church go through a building program, and I saw how much time that took for the pastor And I thought, man, I don't want to do that. I want to go to a church that's already built the building. I just want to fill up the building. Well, God didn't answer that prayer either. What God did, our first church after seminary, building program. Our second church after seminary, a much more major building program. And then this church... You know, God's still saying, I'm going to teach you. Watch what you're about to do. I mean, look, if anybody had ever told me when I came here that we were going to lead a church to relocate and go into a building program that would wind up costing $54 million, I would have called for Uber. (laughs) I would have called for Uber. But you know what? God God, God didn't. See, God, God knows what he's doing. Could I have an amen to that? And I look back on that. And I think, you know, I was as sincere. I wasn't being ugly when I prayed that. I I just was being honest with God. God don't send me to First Baptist Church. Let me tell you something. God sent me three of the best places God could ever send a guy. God, don't let me get into a church that needs to build buildings. Now, I'd be the first to say I didn't enjoy all the meetings and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm just humble to think, and I hope you feel the same way. Aren't you and I glad that we can be part of something? If Jesus tarries, it'll be here when we're no longer here. Could I have an amen to that? And aren't we glad we stuck together and stayed together until this thing is debt-free? Let's just give God glory for that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm thankful, and I bless the Lord for unanswered prayers. And I could share many others, but let me mention another thing. I, I'm thankful, and I bless the Lord. That's what David said, I will bless the Lord while I live, for, for closed doors. Now, that sounds strange. You remember what Paul said over and in right into the church in Corinth? He, he said to them, a great and effective door is open to me with many adversaries, well, I'm thankful for open doors, but I'm also thankful for closed doors. Now, folks, closed doors can be painful. Let me tell you about one closed door that was one of the most painful experiences and a great learning experience for me. In the 70s, now picture this, in the 70s, I'm in my 30s. I'm a young minister in Tennessee in, my 70, in the 70s. 30-something years old. I was probably about 35 or 36 when this happened. One of the really fine churches in San Antonio, Texas, a seminary professor recommended me to that church. They, they, they called him. They said, you've been in our church before. Dr. Werders Gideon, he's now with the Lord. They said, do you know someone that you think would fit our church? And he recommended them someone. And they dealt with this person, and the person decided not to go to that church. So they called Dr. Gideon back and said, "Dr. Gideon, uh, the person you recommended did not come to our church. He, he, he didn't feel led to leave his church. Do you know another person? We, we like the one you recommended. Do you know another person?" He said, "Well, actually, I do." And he recommended me to this church, and now I'm in my mid-thirties, and this would have been like unbelievable deal, but. Everything was just going along real great guns, and we were just preparing to leave Tennessee to go to a really fine church in San Antonio, Texas. And then here's what happened. That pastor that did not go changed his mind, and he called Dr. Gideon back and said, Dr. Gideon, I've changed my mind. I think maybe I should have taken the church in San Antonio. Would you call him back and tell them that? And Dr. Gideon called me one Saturday night and said to me, look, told me that story. He said, now, here's what's going to happen. If I call them back, which I've got to do, they're going to call him, not you. And I feel terrible about it. And I said, well, you know, you recommended him first. And don't you feel bad toward me? I mean, it is what it is. But, boy, you talk. Well, of course, later on, I learned some things that let me know how that really did happen, why the guy changed his mind, etc., which made it worse. But long story short, I didn't go because they didn't invite me to go. They, they, they called the other guy. And so my old ego got punctured, you know. About 10 years later, I'm in Sulphur Springs, Texas. And they're having an evangelism conference in this church. They're hosting an evangelism in San Antonio, and I'm preaching in it. And... The day I was to fly from Dallas, San Antonio, I'd been kind of under the weather a little bit. And now you all know I love Mexican food. Do you not know I love Mexican food? And these gift cards to these Mexican restaurants make great gifts to the pastors. You know, I just thought <laughs> I'd Yeah, any of the places is fine. I love Mexican food. But Dottie said to me, first she said to me, you, you need to you need to call and, and tell Carlos McLeod you're sick. And you, you can't come. And I said, Well, I'm not that sick. I've said I was going, and I, she said, Okay. What I'm going to do, I'm going to fix your lunch. And today, when all your preacher buddies go to eat all that Mexican food, you, don't, don't, you eat what I fix is lunch. Now, when Dottie speaks that way, it's like you, you just do what she says. You understand? <laughs> if you come back at the 11 o'clock hour, I'll tell this story much better. But anyway, <laughs> I take my little lunch, San Antonio, lunchtime, the old preacher buddies, you know, everybody's going to this place to eat Mexican food, and I said, guys, I've been a little bit on the weather, I'm on, I just brought a little sandwich, I'm not going, they, they understood, so I would go in this little break room in that church to eat my lunch by myself, and I'd been there about five minutes, and the, the, the present pastor of this church, who's the guy that came after the guy that changed his mind and went, and then he didn't stay very long, he left. He comes in the break room. He said, well, well, Reverend, why aren't you out with the guys eating Mexican food? I said, well, I brought my lunch today. I just didn't want any Mexican food today. He said, well, I'll tell you what, dude. I'm just going to get a Coke here. Why don't you come to my office, and and we'll just kind of eat our little sandwich together. I said, okay. And I did and sat down. Listen to me. This is one of the—I knew this pastor, but he began to share with me how bad this church was to him and to his family and what they had done to his family. And I'm sitting there eating my little sandwich thinking, you know, (laughs) 10 years ago I prayed. I thought this is where God was sending me. 10 years later, I'm listening to this guy pour his soul out to me about how bad this deal is. And I'm thinking selfishly, this could be me and my family going through what this guy and his family are going through. And then it was like bells went off saying, that's one of these unanswered prayers you never have thanked God for. And I learned a great lesson in that. There are a lot of things that we all pray for that God doesn't answer. And at the moment, it makes no sense. But down the way, if we'll wait, it may be heaven, but it may be before, we'll look back on many of these things and say, you know what? I was earnest when I prayed that. God closed the door. And while I live, I want to bless God for closed doors. Now, I would say this morning, if you'd think, then you would thank God that in your life, he's closed some doors that maybe you've never thought to think him about. Now, let me ask you this question. And it's a good question. Do you know God's plan for your life? Well, you say, well, I don't know if you can know God's plan for your life or not. Well, yes, you can. The Bible is very clear about that. First of all, it is God's plan that everybody be a Christian. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish. The Bible says God desires that all people come to know the Lord Jesus and the truth of his knowledge. That's what the, if you knew no other verse in the Bible but John 3.16. It's the will of God. It's the plan of God. It's the purpose of God that everybody be saved. So, if you say, "I want to know the will of God," well, it's God's will that you become a believer. It's God's will that you become a Christian. Number two, it is God's will that every Christian experience sanctification. The Bible says very, very clearly in First Timothy it says, "This is the will of God." Your sanctification, that word sanctification, is a big old word that means to be set apart, but in a practical way, it just means that we progressively become more like Jesus. Now, let me ask you something. Now, be careful on this. We all make, we all mess up. We all sometimes don't do and say and act the way we should as a Christian. But don't don't think about just this mess up and that. Think about the whole of your Christian life. Would you say, as you look at the whole of your Christian life, that you have been progressing in your Christian life to be more like Jesus? Like, are you more like Jesus today than you were last Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving before? Now, not one little tooth. We all have these little one, two, three things. But, but the totality of your life, like, like would you say that you love God's word more than you did in days gone by? You pray more, you meditate more, you you just feel closer to God. That that's it, it's God's will that we make progress in becoming more like Jesus so somebody says well I don't know what the plan of God is for my life number one the plan of God if you allows you to be saved number two it's to be sanctified to make progression become more like Jesus and number three it is God's will that you be a thankful person the Bible says in everything give thanks And so when we talk about, do you know God's plan for your life this morning? In a moment, we're going to have invitation. And I know it's Sunday after Thanksgiving, and many are gone. We understand all that, but many are here. And God says where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's in our very midst. This morning, some of you, listen carefully, while you can, while you still live, Today in this room, some people can be saved. It may be you. And if you say, you know, that's what I need to do. Nothing will bless God more this morning than for you on this Sunday morning, if you've never done so, to ask God, forgive you of your sins, come into your life and make you a Christian. Others this morning, listen, while you still can, while you are still alive, you can bless God By becoming part and active in kingdom work in his church. Some of you this morning can bless the Lord by coming to join the church. Others by coming for your baptism. And others of this morning would say, well, you know, I'm already saved. I'm already a member of the church. Listen, what about your sanctification? You know, this morning could really be like drawing a line in the sand for many people and say, you know what? The truth is, I do need to make more progress in becoming more like Jesus. And I want to just dedicate my heart and my life to God to do that. So I want you to bow your heads with me with our heads bowed and our hearts open to the Lord. Let me pray a prayer, and then I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer. Father God, I thank you this morning. I thank you for those seven words in that psalm. Where David said, I will bless the Lord while I live. And God, those are wonderful words. But God, I want us not just to see those words. I feel like you put in my heart, let's do those words. God, I want to do those words. And I'm praying this morning all who've gathered here would have a a hunger and a thirst in their life where they are right now to just bless the Lord while they live. God, for some who need to be saved this morning, God, help them now just to ask Jesus to come into their heart, forgive them of their sins, and make them a Christian. And then God, help them to trust you to do that. And then, Lord, give them the grace and the courage and the faith. They can bless you this morning in this very service by coming forward and publicly letting that decision be known. God, you tell us in the Bible, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God, I pray today in this room, there'll be those who say so. Then God, others can bless you this morning. They can bless you by coming and putting their life in your church. God, Christ is head of the church. Christ instituted the church. And God, anything Christ is head, we want to be part. So God, may today in this room, people bless you in making decisions. And then God, for all of us today, for all of us, God, may may we progress more in the days ahead while we live to be more like Jesus in every way about us is my prayer in his name.